You're very welcome back. You're listening to Saturday Chronicle here on Scariff Bay Community Radio, presented by John S. Kelly and myself, Jim Collins, and our sponsors uh, are Dirr Kitchen Design and James M. Nash & Co., and our thanks to them. Well, John, we have a, a new guest this morning, a guest, returning guest, I suppose. Uh, and one we're always uh, delighted to have in the studio, Jim. Um, and personally, one of my favourites. So, um, no. Uh, so, the, the welcome, big welcome to Dr. Cleena Donlan. Okay. Thank you so much. And, <laughs> uh, and I, I'm using your academic title now. I know it, the, the doctorate you did in UL is not uh, strictly involved uh, with music. Am I right in that? Um, it's not it's not directly connected with it. It was done through music, mm. which is very important. So I suppose um, implying that it has got to do with the whole creative arts side of thing. Yeah. And I suppose you mentioned the word performance as well, yes. John, just while we were warming up there chatting beforehand. So, yes, it does have got to do with connecting with our creative side um, our music, our arts, our performances, and I suppose ultimately because it was a doctorate in philosophy, the real interest lies in the research about human nature and what, why we do what we do within our communities and how our formative learning experiences and our legacy affect who we are and how we are as, uh, in our art today. And I suppose we can apply that right across the arts. What is music, what is music uh, done for you as a person? Well, I suppose music brought me on the journey of doing a doctorate. Can we go with you on that journey for a yes, few minutes? Yes, absolutely. You sure oh. can. <laughs> yeah. Um, I suppose the, the big thing, and I suppose it's st I still kind of work with it now, and the big, the big um, thing for me about doing the, the philosophy in, in music um, doctorate was the whole exploration about um, music expression and why we why we do it the way we do and the things that maybe influence us um, and you know why we have that drive even to do it in the first place so and, and i can i just re-emphasize this applies to whether you're an artist a painter a sculptor a musician an actor and what is it that mm. drives us to do it it's mm. not always the most sustainable um life as we know yeah um, hold hold on that for a second i mean that um uh Music doesn't have patronage, a history of patronage in Ireland, okay? But it appears that the current uh, minister, okay, um, in introducing a, a mini, we call it, patronage scheme this year, could you explain to our listeners what is this um what would you call it? What is the the patronage uh, scheme which has been inaugurated mm. to help artists? Mm. And we're using the word artist in its widest context. Yes. Okay, yeah. In copyright music. Um, is that an indication that at long last we're beginning to realise that the arts deserve a wider support at official level in government? Well, it's a, it's one step towards it, um, John. You know, um, I suppose we've all become aware how much the arts sector was highlighted through COVID. 
and the struggles that were in within the sector, I suppose they really were highlighted in a big way during COVID, where you saw big artist names coming out saying, you know, they in their in the height of their lifetime that their best earnings were thirty thousand and, you know, jaws dropped. There were some interviews done with with, with some artists and but of course the problems existed long before that. And the problems aren't just financial as well. There were a lot there can be a lot of mental health issues. Each one feeds into each one feeds into the other, whether that's um, artists, you know, being asked to do things for free or to do it for a couple of pints or, you know, this, this that mentality. Does that go on? It would have in the past definitely yeah. have gone on. And, you know, artists are, repeatedly you see artists, they're the, they're the first to the fore often when, when we need performances of some kind if it's for a charity. And they do so willingly and, you know, we all, everybody does their part. But um, I suppose within the, the COVID brought all of the issues that were in the arts to the fore mm-hmm. and I suppose in, res- in response there was a number of groups set up to kind of research the viability of putting forward a pilot scheme that has been done in other countries um, to, to kind of put in place a pilot scheme that would give artists a basic inf- income for a three year period mm-hmm. now this scheme which has been launched um, any artist in, 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 on the island could apply for it. So whether you were a circus performer, um, a visual artist, it doesn't matter, a musician, yes. everybody yes. Yeah. had the right under the arts sector to apply for this. And there were 2,000 um, awards given. And how it was put together was everybody could apply online and it was computerized in the what do they call it? Is it algorithms? I'm not sure. To break down to the only criteria um through the algorithms was that that there was a fair representation representation through each sector so for example it didn't all go to music mm-hmm. that that was the only part that was put in because i think there's about 10 or 12 different sectors there within the arts so that was the only algorithm that was used for the applications after that the num the people were randomly chosen once it was identified from their initial application that they qualified and um, the criteria yes. for applying. So it was extremely fair. Mm-hmm. I know there was some feedback from it, but it was extremely fair. So if you had applied and you qualified to you qualified through their yes. criteria, yes. you had as good a chance as the next person yeah. to be drawn for it. Mm-hmm. So what that... Um, um, minimum income has done it's a pilot project for three years each artist will get a basic income of 325 euros I think is the fee 325 or 350 I stand to be corrected which one exactly so the idea of that it's it's just to give them basic substance substance yeah. while they thri- try and pursue and develop the rest their career mm-hmm. after that mm-hmm. so as we know you know unlike other um, areas of work you know if you you know if you're going in teaching you're going in to teach whether you have 10 students there or 30 if there's if there's sickness in right, the school yeah. or whatever you still get your wages so it's different for artists I suppose that you're relying on the next commission the next performance gig or whatever it be right across the board so that's the idea of this so this whole and, and there are criteria for people that were awarded it they have they have to fulfill um, quite yearly question questions and feedback as a result and that will be collated and see how this project how how it um fares out in yeah. three years time and, and do the the qualifying artists do they have any obligations 
under this other than to send I, back feedback? The primary obligation would be to account, be accountable on, under, cert, under certain questions that would be asked mm-hmm. and give feedback. And in some instances, they're asked to produce their income. Yeah. So I think there were op- there were options given, um, whether it was um, maybe how many commissions you did, or I think there was options given. I'm not sure what the final one was decided on, but in certain instances you had to prove the amount of commissions you got. In other instances, you know, publications that you did, and in other instances, then income. Yeah, I, th- now, yeah, I suppose. I suppose, Jim, uh, there's a history of of. Um, uh, difficulty which which artists have in marketing themselves it's one thing to to be a, an artist of one form or another but in order to create sustainability mm. they've got to be able to uh, to market themselves and uh, over the years here in East Clare I would have felt that uh, we never really got the marketing right Mm. and to get it at all well you see the reality I suppose for a lot of artists is that they don't just rely on their art for livelihood yeah. you'll find a lot of artists can be teachers Yeah, and there's a lot I have a lot of friends who are actually in the teaching profession who, who I who I work, would work with their 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 day job is teaching the, and, and is they cannot because they would not they could not would not be sustainable yeah. to be a full-time musician there are very 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 few that can sustain it and I will assure you even the the, the very very top professional musicians people would would imagine that they have huge incomes and I don't believe they have that come as a surprise to you Jim it, it, it does I suppose to a certain extent because I, I know lots of people who, who are artists but who have other jobs as well yeah, yeah. I'm just going Going back to your your last series of Morning Jewel, yes, um, and and you did a, a sense a, a series of, of interviews mm. with fellow artists and from mm. different parts of the country mm. and people involved in the industry, and it was during COVID and during lockdown, and I mean I'd have to say there was a certain sense of bleakness at the time, yeah. in that there was nothing happening, there was no. Um, no, no performances happening at all except on on COVID, mm-hmm. um, and and even though you know some of the the interviews were 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 very interesting and and but there was a kind of a backdrop of bleakness about it. Mm-hmm. How is that now? Has have things improved? Have things changed? I mean, they they yeah. must have to some degree. Yeah, I suppose the first thing is, I suppose, um, you know, artists, the the performance aspect of it is one aspect of their work. They also would teach, I suppose, as well, and maybe do maybe do other projects, compose music, or you know, all different things. Work with different groups of people. Um, so I do feel that the um, within the sector and colleagues that I would speak to, a huge proportion of you, you've all the different levels of performance. So you might have people that do pub gigs, and then you might have people who do concerts, and you might have people who do touring. So I think the the whole touring dissemination part of it has has def- definitely come back in say the last just couple of months. Um, a lot. Lot of what I see happening is an awful lot of um, performance, whether it is in theatres like Glore and touring performance and all that, a lot of them have to be subsidised still because um, even though the gigs might be back, the, uh, the performance, att- the attendance isn't back. So there's still, there is still a huge fall off. Um, you know, I was at Inner Trans- Trad Festival was just on this weekend, you know, and I was at, I don't know if you remember, we did a wonderful interview 
that year as well with, with the great Liz Kane. Yes. Um, and which was fantastic. And Liz and Yvonne, top professional musicians, stunning, stunning CD launch in Ennis this weekend. And, you know, the room was full. But as they said from the stage, full of musicians, like the audience were musicians. And I see this right across the board. Like the musicians are phenomenal to support each other. But yes, the, 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 the general audiences are not. Um, there, is, there is still a struggle trying to get general audience numbers up. It is a struggle. It's, it's um, a challenge. And I think it's fair to say that that would be felt right across the board throughout the country, I'd say, you know. Um, why that is, I'm not sure. Um, you would have people think, say that, you know, years past there was greater support. Um, so I'm not sure what the issues are there. Part of it is still COVID. We're not all back out. A lot of people aren't, are not are uncomfortable being going out into big numbers and tending audiences like that. That's still there. So whilst performances and that are back, um, they, they are being supported or having to be supported to do so you know yeah. and then if you have people that would um, have relied a lot maybe have done four or five pub gigs a year uh, a week relying on that um, a huge proportion of them i would i don't know what the percentage is but a huge proportion of them have not come back and will never come back Mm-hmm. And I suppose that also reflects on the struggles within the pub trade as well, because I know some of the, there there is a, there are government funds there now to try and help um, public houses as well in or in in some way whether it's um, I maybe to help subsidise getting groups or not I'm not sure but there are government subsidies there to try and help that trade so it's like there's a fallout from one area to another. Yeah. I see happening yeah. and you know the other one we did there on there was fantastic interviews we were great to cover so many interviews which are still year. available online by the way they absolutely are you can get it through my own website or go into Scarif Bay but there's like at least 22 interviews there and the other big one that we had done at the time that's re- related to this conversation I suppose was with Minding Creative Minds and that's a fantastic or- organisation we were talking to the head of it at that time David Reed. And they have a huge service available for artists now in that they provide counselling services, legal aid, financial services. That's ongoing and that's set to stay in place for a very long time because the need is there. But they're also running at the moment um, a mentorship programme. I I put my name forward for it myself in where I'm at, where you would have mentors assist you if you've had to re-evaluate your livelihood from pre-COVID to the changes now to try and move into other areas just a support network as to how you might do that because just like as you said John and very often you know artists are are so focused on their art and working on it that they may not have the skills in making applications marketing what they're at and things like that they don't necessarily have all of these skills which very few of us have we tend to focus into whatever area we're working at um so i do think you know that a lot of change still has to happen how how are we sorry john i'm just wondering we'll say moving forward from that um okay it's speculation as to whether the numbers audience numbers will come back to to what they were um how are we faring as a country to sort of to support artists to support art in general mm. um is there is there a way forward 
Yeah, I think, you know, the steps that the Arts Council have taken now, we'll say, with, with doing the, the, the basic income for artists is one very, very, very big step. And it's crucial. And I suppose you do have to run a pilot to see how effective yes. these things yeah. would be, to be fair, you know. Mm. And, and that is one thing. And they, they have received so much more funding now since COVID as well. I don't know the exact figure that they get on a yearly basis. And, of course, that filters down the Arts Council of Ireland fund our local county councils as well. So, for example, like in Clare County Council have put out a stream of four different strands in the last 18 months of um, local live performance scheme. And what this has done is to bring live performances to all the as many communities as possible in Clare. So that's an example of what has been done, four different rounds of it. But even from uh, 18 months ago, right up until October, even even within that, that has changed in response to the changing climate. Mm -hmm. So um, so what they've done in Clare County Council is to kind of, okay, so we've had the outdoor schemes where we couldn't perform inside they helped fund that so that we could all go outdoors to, to support our our artists. And then what they're doing now is looking at developing how can we kind of collaborate the arts in a way. So one scheme that they have just run, which was, I think, very, very, very clever and very effective, and I was curating one for them just gone in October, and was a multidisciplinary weekend. So the idea of, of this is that we collaborate an, an aspect of the arts of the arts. So we had a drumming workshop and we had a visual artist talk about recycling materials within our community and how we can do it. We had a contemporary singer songwriter and we had traditional music as well. So that is very very different from running like a trad weekend. And I suppose what the opportunity that presents for uh, for community and for artists is that you're going to attract more people so you know in if if you come to a contemporary song singing performance tonight and in and hear that there's a drumming workshop on tomorrow and um, the evidence was there from the weekend that i ran, ran that yes it does have a greater impact it can reach audiences a far far more reaching audience as well and you know so the arts council as well are very very um supportive of collaborations within the arts and they're also bringing in things like if you're an artist in their they they you can apply to them under different umbrellas for funding as an artist. So they are now talking in the last while also about, you know, can would you see yourself using the um the environment as a way of creating a project within your arts area and that type of thing. So encouraging collaborations Use, using the issues, the, the, the current social issues that are important. Um, so I suppose it's a, in a way it's a great opportunity at the moment because I do believe it's changed and I don't think we're going to go back to the way it was, not mm. fully. We will go back, hopefully we'll have our fully audiences coming out supporting professional artists who are performing but I think the changing climate, there is great opportunity for artists to kind of think outside the box Think about what I was doing before. If I just ran, if I just performed in trad sessions in a pub, how can I change that? What can I do? How can I collaborate with a visual artist, come up with ideas that there are opportunities so that it's not all bleak, but it is a time of transition that is 
very, very challenging for people working within the sector because, you know, we still have to put bread and butter on the table. So it can be challenging from that point of view. And that's where my, I'm waffling on here, but of course that's where all my interest comes from because, you know, in the doctorate that I was doing philosophy, it's, it's looking at all of those things. Okay. We have to sometimes look outside the box. Which brings me to a wider question. And it's tied into what both of you have been uh, raising. That is, uh, is there a role, a more formal role for music in our education system? In what way do you mean now? I mean that, for example, 50 years ago, Mm. 60 years ago, if I'm a a six-year-old or a seven-year-old child, uh, I'm going to be looking forward to singing the singing hour on Friday, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you recall that probably in your youth, Jim. Yes. Okay. Uh, was there a question even that if somebody uh, was applying for um, uh, admission to a training college, they had to be able to sing was that was that a factor for um, well when when i was going to the training college girls had to be able to sing uh boys didn't <laughs> are you aware that are you that? serious I mean, I, no i wasn't aware of that oh yeah absolutely absolutely and i mean uh why is it is it a reflection again of the lack of formal interest at decision making level that music does not get and we're specifically talking about music now, mm-hmm. either playing or singing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that doesn't appear to be as significant, I'll put it like that. Uh, there's choice in some schools at second level, mm-hmm. okay? Um, is, I, what I'm proposing to you, actually, Kleena, is does music have a role to play in the general education of a child? Well, I suppose, first and foremost, um, a lot depends on the particular schools and the skills of the teachers, you know, Mm. because, um, and you're nodding there, Jim, because you'd often see Mm. in primary schools that that there is great emphasis on sport. And that may be where a teacher has great interest and that's their skill area and they'll do their best for the children of that school related to sport. Mm. And I would say the same um, about the music or the arts or dancing, singing, And the same with, like, um, you know, I wouldn't even say specific to music. I would say um, art is as equally as important because yeah. I think it's that whole umbrella is. Mm, okay. And, 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 you know, again, the Arts Council of Ireland and the local county councils do have programmes in place, the Creative Ireland's programmes. Mm. And through that, each school is, just recently, schools across Ireland were invited to um, apply to that, to have programmes in place where you get a specialist coming into your school, mm. working in these areas but again whether individual schools are aware about this or not I'm not sure but I know like the local primary school in Mount Shannon um, is fantastic you know they have a Creative Ireland's programme running there and I know Slavic Kiwi is involved in that and involved in maybe seven or eight other schools around but Joe Reardon himself I was in there with Mm. a colleague we did a lovely five week programme there with the kids last year so I think um, I think we're there is an interest within the school. 
there is support available to have it, but you're, what you're probably getting yeah. at is maybe a compulsory aspect yes. of the mm-hmm. curriculum, yes. which yes. is of course, uh, which is of course a different thing. Again, and by the way, that can that can mm. uh, make use of of uh, artists of mm. one form or another yeah. who live within the community or in the wider community. Yeah. they get paid That's for. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I, think, and I suppose I suppose specifically music generation. Yeah, generation. That was That's supposed one. to be, I suppose. Um, part of the, the ideal, I suppose, of music generation was to make music accessible to every child, every child in, 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 yes. on the island of Ireland. We were all aware of that yeah. um, kind of thematic. But we're um, not we're not tuned in, Jim. We talked uh, on radio about uh, generation music. Do you remember? Yeah, I um, think it's 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 too sporadic. In in that, I, I do think that we'll say uh, you mentioned there you were involved in a five week program. Um, I think these programs, and I know there are budget implications, but it should be permanent. Mm-hmm. Um, where yeah. you know a music teacher or somebody or a, mm. should mm. be coming into the school on a regular basis. Because uh, I suppose generally it's it's relied on whatever teacher has music skills within the totally, school. Totally, yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, and if and a teacher yeah. doesn't have music skills yeah. themselves, yeah. I mean, that will negatively impact the pupils yeah. in terms of music. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Like yeah, I remember the artists, when yeah, the artists are actually available uh, outside the school system. Yeah. So it's, uh, I remember being in primary school and probably prior to before you came, um, Jim, because I'm not sure if it was there after that, but I remember being very young and having Mr. Nolan come in and dancing every week. I mean, that is a very vivid and loving it. Really? And it happened for a certain period of time. I don't know how long it was, but it was part of it. He came in every single week and it was learning how to do dance. Mm. And that was, I have fantastic memories of that, you know. So, you know, there is, I mean, agreed. So I don't know why, as you say, music generation is sporadic. I suppose it's not compulsory within the framework of the schools mm. so mm. I mean it would be fantastic if it was it mm. would you know I think every child in primary school should have that I suppose uh, exposure. access exposure we have, to it we, we, we have um, uh, young young um, teenagers who are who have been involved in musicals here in East Clare and have moved from that level of fun at primary school through the second level into the professional world of acting yes. and uh, making quite a, num- a name for themselves. Yes. Yeah. So clear, and then you look at the newspaper this week and last week, and you see the number of musicals and other um, uh, drama, uh, um, uh, what's the word, events across County Clare. Mm. A remarkable number just by having the opportunity of yes. the access. Yes. Yeah. And of course, the issue is a lot of the time with. Um, younger musicians that are coming up mm. now the personal financial investment of the parents is often phenomenal and, and can the, be off the, the financial yeah uh, but no but you'd often see where the successes of children that are yeah. going forward and you know getting to very high places there has been huge financial investment yeah. and of course that's not feasible for all families to be able and to it's offer elitist, that it's pursuing an elitist approach in, which is not what we're after yeah in the general education. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. We have to go back, Jim, again to the generation what's the the title of the programme where the instruments are, are provided and the the tutors are provided. Music generation. Music generation. generation. Yeah. 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 That we've we'll have to revisit that again and, and see can we push it. Mm. Uh, 
tell us what do you think looking forward are you optimistic in relation to let's say the the future or the even the short term future of the music and traditional music that you're involved in well the one thing for certain about traditional music is there is absolutely no no issue that it will continue because what I witnessed in Ennis this weekend and I have colleagues as well who attended the All Ireland I wasn't there myself the young generation of musicians that are coming up are phenomenal there has never been as much interest from a musician's point of view of yeah. the tradition. The tradition is very, very secure. And I'm, of course, at the stage now where I'm going, I'm oh, I'm old hat, like I'm at the other end, you know. And genuinely, you're, you're smiling, but it's the mm. truth when you see the phenomenal skill level of the younger musicians that are coming up, and there are so many, and they are so plentiful. Um, so it's very, very re- reassuring, just speaking specifically about traditional music. Yeah. Um, so but there's money involved, you say, backing... Uh, out of the out of parents putting up cash for uh, lessons for instruments and yeah. okay yeah. and that can sometimes you you were in- intimating there that it can be very costly yes and uh, which again I suppose it's just it, it, I suppose it depends on each family's perspective and what they want mm-hmm. you know for for their children so like it's, it's like uh, it's like any interest in you know your children going to any type of class in the evenings mm-hmm. if they're going to their music once a week then hopefully if they like it they'll pursue it and be able to sit down and enjoy playing tunes with friends but if you if you if the aspiration is there for a more professional life out of it then there's there is very often huge financial investment by parents in it because it is like anything it's like it's like um you know step dancing and world championships the investment is huge and we all know that and Mm. you know we hear about all of the things that impact on that so but i suppose that can be applied right across the board we're talking about very professional level Mm. but uh, uh, there's a big difference going pursuing that aspect and then just making the art available Mm. the opportunity available for Mm. everybody to have the access yeah, or I, the opportunity to yeah. try and learn to dance, paint, play music. Has there been much emphasis uh, in in Clare on um, uh, composition? Composition would be very would be a very personal type of thing. I think now, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That would be a totally different. I, I often wonder, you know, when I when I hear a tune, uh, the title of a tune, uh, whether it's something like the geese in the bog or yeah. whatever. Yeah. What is it that actually creates the name, the humours of? Is there a humours of scar? There somewhere? is indeed. Yes. Uh, what? John Keehan has it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I mean, what is the naming of of tunes? Yeah. Uh, what is it? I buried my wife and danced on her grave is one that's coming to mind. <laughs> Don't ask me how it goes off the top of my head. But like I've often wondered, wow. Yourself, had you? I've, I've often wondered about that one. <laughs> it's a personal experience. <laughs> yeah. I suppose, I mean, you know, I suppose some, some might be in jest. Yes. You know, yes. um, and some, I suppose uh, very often they can be named after people. 
Yeah. Um, but often circumstances are situ- different situations, you know. Yeah. It has it's, nothing it's, to do with the melody necessarily, or sometimes it does. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it does have to do with the melody. Like you know, we, we interviewed Josephine Marsh in here as well, and I know she made reference at one point of one of her tunes. The name escapes me right now, but it, it definitely was influenced by the landscape around her and being out this day in the landscape around her, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I suppose it's different for everybody. It, the concert that I mentioned earlier that I was at at the weekend, the girls, Liz and Yvonne, were performing, and, of course, they were saying, and here is Paddy Fahey's, and the second one is Paddy Fahey's, <laughs> and the third one is... Paddy Fahey's, because as we all know in the tradition, the fantastic composer that Paddy Fahey was, all his tunes were called Paddy, Paddy Fahey's. So that that's quite unique as yeah. well. And, you know, so I suppose it, it's just different for everybody. Um, but the whole composition thing is a completely, I suppose, different area, John, and not everybody composes, and it's a personal thing, I suppose, for people that do compose. I tell you, you conduct um, seminars or... or weekends, uh, musical gatherings or events. So, uh, tell us the nature of those. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit like jack of all trades at the moment because I'm just, I suppose, finding my own feet post-COVID. Um, so <clears throat> um, I'm doing a number of different things. So that's in, within my house when the kids were all flown the nest. Um, I do different types of workshops there. I bring in some other practitioners to do things like homeopathy courses or sound baths or meditations. That's one thing. And then I myself run programs that probably relate a little bit to what I did in my doctorate. I like self-reflective journey workshops that might take a 12-week course or it might be related to um, a book such as The Artist's Way. So that those type of courses are about looking a little bit deeper within ourselves, trying to find maybe a new sense of direction or where you want to go or tap into if you always dreamt about being a step dancer John and you never did no, it now is our time <laughs> my, you know, dream, so. <laughs> my dream if, 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 and I, I I've said this to Jim before if he could promote it at all my dream is to hold a violin or a fiddle in my hand in Carnegie Hall with a thousand people and play with the emotions of the audience to me, that is power mm. at its best. <laughs> but unfortunately, it's never, never g- going to happen. How long have What's you had that your, dream? Uh, How long have you had that dream? Uh, a, a long time, actually. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah. Now tell me this: Have you ever had anything, any dream, anything like that? Um, <clears throat> I'd be a little bit different, I suppose. That. Um, I don't have, we'll say, like a bucket list oh. or um, something specific like that. I suppose the one thing I've been thinking this morning, I am working on a project at the moment that um, it's my new compositions. So I've been over the last 18 months, as well as what I'm doing at Thoros House is the name of what I'm running at the house now at the moment. Um, just going back to that aspect, Jim. But So I'm, I'm composing at the moment and... Um, what I'd love to do is see those compositions realised in a full recording with the vision that I have. So I have maybe six or seven pieces ready to go to the next stage, which would involve kind of maybe three to four different performers coming in and building from the basic melody 
so that these pieces are realised to their full potential. Now, that's one I'm really passionate about at the moment okay. and I'd love to see that happening um, so I've just as I say it's it's on the pipeline um, but like all of these creative projects it needs funding and backing and so it is where it's at if I had the finances this minute I'd be walking into a studio for a week with some five or six very very good key players to help bring that to its fruition um, so hopefully this time next year i <laughs> If I'm talking to you, we might have it realised <laughs> at some point. Yeah. But that, for me, I love, um, and I suppose um, the compositions that I've composed are very, very, they're very um, deep for me. And so uh, I, the, the dream is there. They're here. They're, the bones are there. And then this vision of bringing them to where I want would be your Carnegie Hall. Yes. I personally <laughs> wouldn't have the, that. The, the, I suppose, like, I, I play music, but... I love the composition side of it mm -hmm. and I love delving deep into that aspect of it mm -hmm. and I love the traditional music. I love all that part of it more than the performance part of it. That's the part that I love to do and and see other people enjoying some of the compositions that I've done is really nice as well. I really enjoy that. That brings great satisfaction because I've got some really nice feedback from some of the compositions before. And so one or two... Um, very dear musician friends are, are I have obviously shared it you, you it's very hard to share these things until the right time and you know the, the word is there's great merit in it so I love hearing that so that's important to me of that would be the number one kind of yeah. thing mm, that would be yeah. important to me at this life stage you know and to be able to produce really good quality compositions that mean a lot that I can bring out to the wider community would be the one for me Okay. Nice. Well, listen, we look forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> and we look forward to being there at the launch. Oh, well, let's see. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Listen, <clears throat> it's been great having you, Clee. Much appreciate, we appreciate very much you coming in. We look forward to the next series of oh, yes. The Thank Morning Dew. Thank you so June. much. Thank yeah. you so much. And uh, we maybe before we finish, we might have... Uh, Maybe a little tune. We're I see. going to have a tune. Yeah, I see the, the fiddle is <laughs> over there. I'm totally exhausted after an hour, but sure, we'll, 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 um, we'll do one. Okay. Rather than the bow. Rather than the bow, and I'll have to just check my tuning now as well. Yeah. Before. Uh, great. <laughs>
On the Asserfant. On the Asserfant. Mm-hmm. What were we listening to there? You were listening to, actually, they're on the album, Beneath the Hedgerow, um, two hornpipes on Cashleen Orr, August, the Boys of Blue Hill in C. Fabulous. The Boys of Blue Hill. Yes. Yeah. OK. Keith many thanks for joining us. Thank, can I just say thank you? Thank you both. It's been a pleasure to be back here and for all the very, very good questions too from you, especially John. Thanks a million. <laughs> <laughs> you never fail to ask really good questions. Thank you oh, so much for having me. You. Delighted. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, a pleasure.